I'm Iris Berkeley, taking a few minutes out on the Morning Sound Alternative because I have the absolute delight to be speaking with Beth Orton in advance of her performance on Monday, November 14th at the Oriental in Denver. Thank you so much for taking the time out today to chat with us. You're welcome. Thank you. So so please forgive me in advance because I'm afraid this first question comes with like the tiniest little story behind it. So I first discovered your music back in 99 when your album Central Reservation came into the university station where I had a show back then. And I took it with me on this cross-country train trip. And the train ended up being something like 30 hours late to its destination. And I, I think I had your CD and one other CD with me for this trip. And so I got to know it really well. And um, since then, I've just I've always felt that your music has such a sense of place infused in it, or maybe it was just that I was like stuck on a train for two days. But um, regardless, your new album, Weather Alive, which just came out about a month ago, has this amazing sort of sense of place or presence, maybe not necessarily a geographical one, but a very strong presence nonetheless. And, and I just really wanted to, to ask about that to start off with, where that might have come from for you. Definitely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, rather than writing about you know, the she said, he said of it all, I'm much more writing into the atmosphere and into the kind of, it's very much a sensory kind of exploration and sort of trying to find a way of writing about what gives meaning in the moment. And for me, often it's a certain light at a certain time of day or a certain feeling that that can give. And um, so I really was sort of starting with the atmosphere and then just, you know, what came from that came from that, what melody, what words, what grew from those feelings was what I kind of started with as a, as a way of exploring. And the album's been in process for a while. I mean, you started writing some of these songs like back in 2017, am I right? I write all the time. So yeah, yeah these, you know, they will have been, there'll be threads of them, but yeah, I write. But I mean, I think to say that these songs specifically were written for that long would not be true. They were <laughs> embryonic at certain stages mm-hmm. and would have been left for time. And then, you know, it's just, it's just writing is a constant kind of, it's not a, a straight line. It's you know there's many songs it was probably about a ridiculous amount of, of songs <laughs> being written but in the end when i when i came down to deciding on a record or on making a record or committing to a certain batch of songs there was about 10 of them mm-hmm. and um these were the guys that got through and i suppose that that brings up probably the inevitable pandemic related question because so many things changed and you know all the terrible external things and you know not the least was was your label letting go of a whole bunch of folks including you I, I just wondered how the tenor of the record might have changed from what you might have originally envisioned well I wasn't writing a record really I was writing songs I was just I very much was exploring these kind of I don't know it's like landscapes it's like traveling and feeling and exploring and having conversations with music that I couldn't find possibly a way of having otherwise (laughs) I think when it got into the pandemic initially there was this sense of like relief in a funny way because it was Mm -hmm. like suddenly everyone was working for the same goal which was to honor the vulnerability of each other and taking care of one another and also experiencing what happens when we stop what happens to the planet what happens to the birds and the sounds and you know suddenly there weren't planes and there weren't cars and it was just this extraordinary like i thought really beautiful that first spring was incredible and then of course it you know life started to try and kick against Mm. 
what was happening and it sort of got relentless again in mm. in a whole new way and, mm. and very difficult. I mean, there's not a single person that wasn't touched in some yeah. really particularly unpleasant way to whatever degree, you know. But yeah, people started to do what people do, which is, you know, peel off. Mm. But for a minute there, there was this sense of like, everyone was working for a greater good, whether we knew it or not, there was that sense. And I, I thought that was incredible. And then you know, in terms of this thing with the label, yeah, that was disappointing because by that point it was a very scary time for many people because no one could work. And there was this very internal space that I was in and so many other people were in. And, and in a way, I'd been in for a long time anyway, in some respects. And how that influenced the music though was I got to this place where I was just like, I have to finish this piece of work. I, I didn't come into this intending to make a record. Then I signed with the label I was with and they were a modern classical label. And I found that really inspiring. So I wanted to honor that. And I was like, hey, I'm going to, this is my offering to them. It's this mm -hmm. piano record. But then when that happened, it was just such bad timing. It wasn't necessarily that I had a deep relationship with them or cared mm -hmm. necessarily, but I did care because they were mainly female run and I was like into this idea. And, and when that itself, something in me and I just say, do you know what? I have to finish this piece of work. And at this point, it really is for no one. But it was it was a really powerful feeling and I had to see it through and right. for whatever that meant. And so I got the final advance and I borrowed some money from the bank. Not much, just a little bit to keep us going. And I finished this piece of work and I played it to a guy called Craig Sylvie, who is a brilliant mixer. And he encouraged me and was just like, go on, do it, do it. You're producing, you should just finish this mm -hmm. and I'll mix it. Anyway, it was just, uh, it was kind of an amazing experience actually. To trust myself in that situation was, was its own inspiration in a way. I can imagine. And I've, I've just sort of got this vision of, of you in your garden shed with this beat up piano, <laughs> like doing the thing. And well, it having... wasn't, by that point, I'd worked with incredible musicians. I'd had three, I mean, in between yes. the lockdown, I had three days with um, Tom Skinner and Tom Herbert, mm -hmm. who are most beautiful players. And so there wasn't just me and a piano at this stage. Suddenly mm -hmm. it was it was taking on a whole new life. And suddenly I was kind of doulering this music. I don't know, it sounded like stupid, but it was just this sort of like, this process of hands-on and hands-off, I was like very present and at the same time very aware of to try and let something else mm -hmm. occur beyond my control whilst having full control. It was really interesting. And then I started to work remotely with people. So with Shazada Smiley in New York and then Alabaster de Plume. Mm -hmm. um, I'd heard his record over the Christmas. And so I so reached good. out to him and sent him a couple of songs. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it, I was in my shed. Yeah, but I was, and I was engineering and I was engineering with a, a wonderful woman called Francine Perry as well it was brilliant doing most of it remotely at that point but yeah it was just this unfolding even though I was so present it was also like a I was a witness to it as well and you've got some really magnificent collaborations on this album how did the genesis of those I mean obviously I'm sure just people you knew and people you admired but what were you thinking when you were trying to figure out being a witness of this how do you figure out who gets to be involved in that I thought I was going to make a very spare voice and piano record, and but I knew I wanted some rhythmic components. So I, Tom Skinner was a friend and a, someone I toured with 15 years before and over the years had thought about working with and we tried a couple of things. And I, I thought these are the songs that would really be beautiful to hear what he would do with them. And so I sent him four or five songs and asked for just kind of something very organic, percussive, not necessarily a drum part, not necessarily a loop, but somewhere mm. in between. And 
he played that beautifully, especially on something like Unwritten. And then I had a day in a studio and I said, well, would you like to come and do something live? And he did, and he brought his friend um, Tom Herbert. And then we had a day recording. And then I was like, listen, guys, this is beautiful. Let's do something next week. We went in for three days the following week and they brought in their friend, Sam Best, who's a beautiful piano player. And he played vibes and mm. some Juno and bits and bobs. And, and so that's how that happened. It just feels very organic as a process, yeah. this whole thing which which seems a little different than most of us get to experience i don't know how do people make me i don't i've never i don't know i think i've always worked pretty organically in that way one of the many beautiful things was because i was just you know left to my own kind of like consideration i just got the chance to follow my own this thread of atmosphere just like what is best for the song what resonates what most enhances speaks to brings out this mm -hmm. this music how does it work with the song you know and that initial core spark of the song mm -hmm. not some idea of what it could be but what it really is the record came out about a month ago now and, mm -hmm. and you're on stage and you're taking up places and you're watching people respond in their own ways to this thing that you made and sort of mapping yeah. their own consciousness on it what does that even feel like it it is odd with this record, I have to say, like, it's been the strangest thing because I really, I really wasn't sure. Sometimes if I'd lost my shit, I was like, oh, maybe I've really gone mad now. Like, maybe I'm just like a complete fantasist, like, because there was no one to gauge. I mean, of course, I knew there was this beautiful work to play with, to sculpt these beautiful bass lines and drum parts and this that and the other but I was being left at the helm of it it was mm. like who left me in here with this this is crazy you know and I just you know as much as I say I trusted myself I didn't trust myself either <laughs> I was like no one should be leaving me at the helm of this and and yet I was compelled to keep going and to see what would happen if I was left to my own devices and Again, you know, Craig Silvey came in and mixed the record, so it's not like I was completely alone. But I must admit what was so shocking with him was that he didn't change stuff. <laughs> he just enhanced it. It was like things that I thought would kind of be quietly shuffled away. He turned up <laughs> and he accentuated. And it was like, dude, you were meant to get I mean, you know, it wasn't a conversation, <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, oh, I guess I'll, uh. yeah. And it's interesting because there was so much that happened like you know a guide vocal would suddenly become the vocal because once i'd sent it to alabaster gus de plume and he'd put his saxophone to it i couldn't then re-sing it because he'd played right. to the vocal in such a way that it was just like gorgeous and it would be so false to now go away and try and recreate what was already done and so you know some decisions were taken out of my hands in that respect and it was just a really really wonderful and interesting process so the point i'm making is like when it came to being heard it was excruciating because you're like oh come and so to have it so well received has been quite a trip and honestly i have been lost for words this last month just a bit like seriously oh my goodness well okay so yeah it's been kind of right. a bit overwhelming in a good way oh yeah. i'm sure and then seeing people at these shows and seeing what touches them which might not have been what you thought to be honest i don't really see people at shows True. i feel the room because mm -hmm. i i don't want to see i don't want to be like I, I can't i can't be in two places at once i'm like i'm in the music or i'm not and i gotta be in the music so i feel the room or i try and feel the room and i guess people just seem to I don't know, be so kind of open to this music that it's incredible, really. 
Well, there was one other phrase that really struck me was music kept working properly as a way of seeing. In in this context, was you're working through some complicated health issues, but that statement just really sort of smacked me in the face. What did I say again? (laughs) Music kept working properly as a way of seeing, because I think that could probably apply to all of us in some like very meaningful way over the last few years. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's true to say that what we were left with when it all went to shit was music and art and books and films and all the things that are so discredited and being kind of, I don't know, that what was left was nature and nature was all. But if you couldn't get out into nature, you were left with human nature, you were left with the beauty that humans create. And that was something so extraordinary. And I, yeah. It was like we were taken to the essential. What we've been through these last few years is not even, I don't think people have even begun to touch on how that will, the the lasting and uh, endless repercussions of what we've, and are still living through. And we have so many of us who are coming back to life through seeing, through being with friends and seeing shows. And I guess, because we are so excited to have you in our neighborhood soon. I'm totally delighted. I, I think the last time I saw you perform was like 2014. So I'm, I'm personally super excited. Is there anything, keeping all that in mind, that you would like the folks in our listening audience to know or be aware of when, when they come see you play on the 14th? No, not really. Just come and just, I don't know. I hope, I hope that, um, no, I got nothing. I got nothing for you there, but yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Show up, Sorry. have fun. Thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us today. We've been speaking with Beth Orton about her new album, Weather Alive, and just life in advance of her appearance at the Oriental in Denver on Monday, November 14th. It has been just a treat to talk with you and so looking forward to the show. Mm, thank you. Thanks very much.